Good morning yet again, church. Uh, I've said it before and I will say it again. Uh, what an honor and blessing it is to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm filling in for Jim, who right now is actually headed to Fort Street uh, as a guest speaker to share a message with them. So it's cool that we have that fellowship. Uh, but unfortunately for you, uh, that means you're stuck with me for the day. And full transparency, church, uh, I am in a right foul mood this morning uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, I haven't had to do a welcome in weeks, and it has been great. Uh, if you're new here or a visitor, or if you just like a reminder, the welcome is my personal bane of existence. Uh, I can't explain it. It makes me very nervous. I'm uncomfortable. There are so many men and women who could do it way better than me. So if you want to tag me in any time, please just let me know. Uh, that's number one. Number two, uh, my particular gripe this morning is actually uh, with the, the entire English language as a whole. Uh, that's a very broad statement, so, so bear with me as we start off this morning. Uh, we're going to start this morning with a, with a very simple English test, so I can show you what I mean and see if our frustrations match. Uh, all you have to do is pronounce the word that you're going to see on the screen. All you have to do. Uh, so we're going to start with this word right here, C-O-U-G-H. Uh, if you can't see that, if you're listening online, one, two, three, cough. A plus. You crushed it. In this configuration, O-U-G-H says cough. Let's change one letter, just one. We're going to change the C to a D. <laughs> Pronounce that word, three, two, one. <laughs> Anyone frustrated yet? And, and I'll even grant them this one. Maybe just there's something special about a D that even though it rhymes with C and it's right by it in the alphabet, changes the whole pronunciation of the word. So maybe, maybe it's just those two. Let's do this one now. Change it to a T. On the count of three, one, two, three. Anybody frustrated yet? That's the third different pronunciation of these four letters. But maybe, maybe that's special too. Let's add more letters. Maybe we have to add more letters. Let's add two more. Pronounce that on the count of three. One, two, three. That didn't help at all, did it? In fact, it's more confusing now. We add more letters and it's the fourth different pronunciation of the word. So maybe maybe we went too far. Let's go back to just one letter. Pronounce this word you'll find in that lullaby. When the blank breaks, the cradle will fall. Three, two, one. See, now they're just messing with us. So many different iterations of, of the same four letters. I'm frustrated about that. And, and see, because it, it adds this whole other layer of, of having to know what's meant instead of what's just said. Uh, and in fact, it's not just single words. There are whole phrases or the whole ideas. You have to know what's meant and not just said. And I actually love a good idiom. Uh, for example, an idiom is something that you have to know the meaning of without actually knowing what's said. For example, if I said someone were to kick the bucket... Uh, how many of you would know what I mean by that? Right. And it has nothing to do with kicking a bucket. It's actually an idiom for death. And if you didn't know that, it's very confusing. Or we have another one here, uh, more niche, jumping the shark. Who know what that would mean? See, that's a little more niche one. That goes back to an episode of Happy Days where it's an idiom. Uh, Jim, oh, Jim has a good one he says on the welcome. Uh, if he's excited about something or welcome, he'll say, we are tickled to death that you're here. And we know what he means. But if you didn't know what that meant, that is the most horrifying idea in the entire world. And that's the only time you could say that, because if I said, for example, for my wife, Brianna, being married to you is like being tickled to death. <laughs> that doesn't work out very well. So you have to know what's meant, not just what is said. And there are a lot more that I actually grew up with that I heard a lot that I actually consider pretty awesome. Uh, people would tell me, you're not playing with a full deck. Uh, the elevator doesn't go to the top floor. The lights are on, but nobody's home. 
you're playing hockey with a warped puck, and the wheel is turning, but the hamster's dead. That's actually pretty good, and then I appreciate a lot. Because you know what I mean, but it's not what I'm saying. In fact, to all those things, we'd have to add the phrase, if you know what I mean. And this is actually going to springboard us into, into the message this morning. There are whole other layers under what's just said, in which we have to know what is meant. And it's a very important thing. In fact, one of, the, one of the biggest examples I can bring, and we'll bring one more this morning, is why we gather this morning. See, we, we call ourselves many things. We call ourselves a fellowship, a gathering, a church, an assembly, a brotherhood, a fellowship, all those words. In fact, one of the most famous, though, is we gather as the body of Christ. Amen? We're the body of Christ. And that's what we say. But does it match up with what we mean? So if you brought your Bibles, go to the book of Ephesians for a second. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to read to you what I think is a great example, a description of what the body of Christ actually looks like. Ephesians 4, chapter 1. Chapter, verse 1, sorry. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Is that what we mean when we say we're the body of Christ? Is that what we mean? Or do we mean we're the body of Christ because we gather together on a Sunday? Because if we're going to say we are the body of Christ, and if we're going to mean that, then the body has feet that are walking. The body has legs that are moving and arms and hands that are working and hearts that are being changed and minds that are being challenged. Do we mean that? Or do we have to add the phrase, if you know what I mean? That's a huge challenge this morning to all of us. Do we mean what we say when we say we're the body of Christ? Are we reaching those people and living as he lived and having our whole body joined together do its work? Is that what we mean? And it's so much bigger than this idea of, if you know what I mean. In fact, Jim has talked about parables the last couple of weeks, where Jesus takes these complex, spiritual, heavenly concepts, and he puts it in language that we can understand. He tells stories. 
He says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed so that we can understand what he means, not just what he says. Do you think we would understand Jesus if he spoke in the language of heaven and of angels? No. So he talks about a parable son and a lost coin and a lost sheep. It's not just what he says, but what he means, and we get the meaning out of that. It's also so much more than that. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. Uh, this is from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, an incredible discourse that Jesus gives. And this is what he says in Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a hard topic for me to understand. Because so many times we think Jesus comes down to to change everything, but he says, I did not come to change the law. The law is not going anywhere. In fact, I'm coming to you to explain why it's there. Not just on what is said, but he says to show you what is meant. He fulfills the law. It doesn't disappear at all, and there are so many examples as to why this is the case. All these he talks about. Every single one of these, there's this idea of what is said, black and white, simple, straightforward, succinct, and Jesus says, no, let me show you what it means. There's a specific case where he's talking about divorce, which is a very serious personal issue. And these Pharisees who know the law, they know exactly what is said, approach him, and they have these two schools of thought they're trying to trap Jesus with. And Jesus says, your whole idea on divorce isn't like this. In fact, from the beginning, it's not supposed to be there at all. And they asked Jesus, well, then why did Moses allow certificates of divorce to happen? He said, they were allowed because of the hardness of your hearts. He says, you've heard it said, but I tell you instead. You've heard it said, you've heard it spoken black and white, but I tell you, now I'm going to show you why it's there. For example, do not murder. It's a very simple task to follow. It should be easy and succinct and straightforward. In the Old Testament, that's what they needed because the nation of Israel was surrounded by nations that were murdering constantly. So God puts this very simple, straightforward, do not murder thing in place because it's a form of damage control. But then in the New Testament, Jesus comes out and said, the reason that's a law, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I tell you, anyone who's even angry with their brother will face judgment. And then the book of 1 Peter says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Is that what we mean when we say, do not murder? If we are not careful, we focus so much on the black and the white, what is said instead of what is meant. And our righteousness does not surpass the Pharisees because they knew that like the back of their hand. He goes on to talk about adultery. Again, in the the Ten Commandments, do not commit adultery. Simple, straightforward. Then Jesus says, but I tell you, even lusting after someone else, you commit adultery in your heart. I know what it says, but you know what it means. So I'm sure you weren't aware that coming to church this morning, your, your, your message will be coming from a murderer and an adulterer in his life. That's how serious this is, of knowing what is meant, not just what is said. Prayer, oaths, all these things where he says, you've heard it said this, let me show you what it means. And he says, all the law and the prophets wrap up in these two things, love God and love one another. Let me show you what I mean by that. And he died for our sins. 
Is that what we mean when we say we love each other? Is that what we mean when we say we love God, that we are willing to sacrifice everything we have to be called his children? Is that what we mean? And if people looked from the outside in, would they understand that immediately? Or we have to say, we love God, if you know what I mean. That's a big test to ask. He says, all these things were, were allowed back then because of the hardness of your hearts. Because that was what you had to have. That's how God protected Israel, by putting these simple things in place. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, all that kind of stuff. Jesus comes and says, now here's what I meant by that. Don't hate your brother. Don't lust after people. Do all this stuff. Love God with all your heart and you will fulfill the law just as it was meant to be fulfilled. So the question now remains, how's your heart this morning? How's your heart? Are we here in this church surpassing the Pharisees and the doctors of the law because our hearts are open and wide and being challenged by God? Or do we have to add, if you know what I mean? And it's hard to go through. It's hard to understand. It's hard to get that meaning just from what's said because the world doesn't get less crazy. In fact, it's getting more and more crazy every single day, not just from the natural disasters that are happening in Florida or the hurricanes, not just between people that are happening, not because the politics that are happening. All that stuff will keep on getting crazier. So it's hard to know what's meant, but we're not left alone. In fact, God gives us one of the greatest guides to help us drive through this. Which takes us to our verse this morning in the book of Romans. Romans 8, 18 through 27. And I don't know how you feel about having a personal favorite verse. This one might be mine. Romans 8, starting in verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. How awesome is that? That the things that we can't say because we don't even know what they mean, God hears exactly God gives us this Holy Spirit to to intercede for us, to hear the innermost being of our hearts that might be hard, it might be hard to get through that crust, but God listens because the Spirit intercedes with, with groans that words can't even express. Not just what's said, but what we actually mean. God can hear every single moment of that. What a blessing that is. We don't have to say, if you know what I mean anymore, because God understands you better than anyone you will ever meet in your life, because God gave life to you. So don't harden your hearts around that. Don't have to add the phrase, if you know what I mean, because God hears everything. He doesn't leave you alone in a world that's crazy. He fills you with the spirit of the ever-living God, if you know what I mean. 
So this morning, if your hearts have been hardened by anything, by current events, soften it up. Because if we harden our hearts to all those kinds of things and we focus on the law, black and white, yeah, but we miss what they mean. To love one another as God has loved us, to forgive one another as God has forgiven us, that's a huge task. So let us live like that. Let us not only say what we mean, but mean what we say. And so when the world looks in on us, we don't have to add this phrase because they see clearly exactly what is meant. The Spirit of God intercedes for you when you don't even know what to say. And then here's what you mean. So as we join together this morning in this fellowship, the body of Christ, as we call ourselves, let us have the feet that are walking, let us have the hands that are reaching, the hearts that are changing, the minds that are being challenged, and take that and never leave it in this place. But apply it to the rest of the world because there are hard hearts everywhere. Uh, this also might be a part two to a sermon next Sunday. I'll be thinking again for Jim talking about cynicism. Uh, and I'll talk about my, my motto that I've unfortunately developed the past couple of years is I put the sin in cynical, which is a big, actually very sad statement. But we'll talk about cynicism and then the hardness of our hearts and things that are changing and happening. But in all these things, don't forget the spirit of God lives in you. The very spirit of God that shook the earth, the very spirit of God that has changed men's lives and women's lives lives in you. So don't harden your hearts because of that. Because then you miss what is meant if we focus just on what is said. And by doing so, by having this kind of life change, by understanding what is meant and showing people what we mean when we say we love them, not just in words, but in our meaning, then someday at the end of all of our lives, when we're pushing up daisies, if you know what I mean, we spend eternity with the king. How awesome is that? So may we mean what we say. Maybe we focus on not just what's said in Scripture, but mean it. That it's a living sword, that it's a living, breathing organism that we get to read and experience and show other people by our actions. May we mean what we say, if you know what I mean. If you've been struggling in your life and you have that hard heart, and you need to talk to someone or prayer, if you need prayers from our elders, our awesome elders will be around the room in a second. We can go and approach them and ask them for prayers, ask them for help. If you want to give your life over fully, never questioning again what you mean when you say, I'm devoted to Christ. You can do that this morning. But mean what we say when we say, love God, love one another, because all the law and the prophets are fulfilled in these two things. If we actually become the body that is a living, breathing, working thing, never having to say, if you know what I mean. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. Uh, God, I thank you for who you are. God, the things you've taught us, uh, the way you've been patient with us. Uh, Father, how you sustained your people, the Israelites, all the time through those rules and guidelines you put down. And now, God, sit in Christ to show us what you mean by that. God, I pray we're up to that challenge, to know it's not just what's said, but what's meant. And God, we show people not just in words, but by our actions, what we mean when we call ourselves your children. God, I pray a blessing over this church. But in all things, we come to you with open hearts that are not hard, that are not calloused by the world or by events that are happening. Uh, but God, hearts that are absolutely softened by your grace, your mercy, and your love, which fills us. And the spirit that intercedes for us, that hears our hearts now, with groans that words can't express. God, you hear so clearly and you know what we need. And I pray we mean what we say when we say we love you. God, bless this church, bless this morning. And all things follow us glorify you like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.